0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fifty Two and Fifty Two, a podcast where we watch at least one movie a week for every week in the year and record an episode about it. Today we're finally talking about Dunkirk, a movie that's been out for a while that we just haven't really had time to talk about yet. Um it's not even that
1: we haven't had time, it's that we we both made strategical concession stand errors when we the first time we saw it and it pushed back our timetable on being able to do the podcast
0: yeah so we both actually saw the movie in 70 millimeter but it turns out that there are no previews and just random things happened where we both ended up a couple minutes late and missed the beginning of the movie and so with all the other movies and podcasts that we've been putting out we just had to make time to see dunkirk for a second time so we could catch like
1: So stuff we missed. I I told you that I missed like two minutes,
0: but I was actually wrong. I probably missed
1: about as much as you did too. It's just whoever – like the person I was with, one of the people I was with when I got back to the the, – into the theater after I've been getting concessions was like, oh, you didn't miss anything really, just like a minute. But like apparently that person it also – like
0: missed
1: stuff <laughs> might have might have missed a little bit and was just told by someone else oh you haven't missed anything and it was just like a weird thing classic telephone but, game <laughs> yeah but I, but so i missed like that entire first the entire first sequence with the guy uh running yeah, away and stuff me too which is ironically probably one of the better sequences of the movie um, it is but i but i but I, I, I was talking to someone about why that's like that and do you think maybe the reason why the 70 millimeter was like that and then imax it was like a full 20 minutes of previews was that it's just like it's too wide of a screen and they don't want to reformat the trailers for it
0: Probably. I, yeah. I hadn't even considered I would that. Until imagine. I
1: was talking to someone that like actually knows way less about movies than I do and I'm like, "Wow, I hadn't even considered that."
0: Yeah, I figured it's just they don't have trailers to fit the screen that's already set for the film, so they don't they just can't put trailers out before it, I guess. Right. Um just some it is just a little thing that ended up being annoying because we ended up missing the and you know, I should be on time, I guess, to the movie, but been to thousands of movies now and just I,
1: no, but I'm like very strategic about it. As you are, I think you were kind of are at this point too, where I'll yeah. I'll like make sure I go get my icy and my popcorn around like the point where you're eight to ten minutes into the trailers. Yeah, so that way sure. I don't like have all my. I'm not just sitting there with twenty minutes of trailers to go, and I'll be halfway through my my concessions before the movie even starts. It's like a, for sure it's a very well thought out process on my part at this point that I really have down to a science. And the Dunkirk <laughs> 70 millimeter showing just kind of screwed with it. So both of us like had to find time to make it again before we could actually talk about it knowledgeably
0: yeah um and I, I guess if you don't know Dunkirk it's the new war movie from Christopher Nolan uh, Christopher Nolan is pretty I, I I guess I mean he's pretty popular but I feel like a lot of at least like critical people don't necessarily like him um, they find him kind of like corny and overbearing and <laughs> don't like his writing um, I'd say there's a
1: uh, fair segment that do Espouse such views? Uh,
0: I, I do not uh, subscribe to that view. I really like Christopher Nolan. I'll cape for him any day. Um, I, no, Josh, I think you like Nolan too for the most part, right?
1: Yeah, and I actually went on a little bit of a, a, a Christopher Nolan binge the last few days trying to get a little more educated. I rewatched The Prestige. I watched Insomnia for the first time, which I really knew nothing about and quite enjoyed. So, yeah, I think both of us are consider ourselves big fans, but at the same time, I think both of us more so than your average populist film goer who loves Christopher Nolan or maybe a little more tempered with our expectations for this one
0: yeah um and Josh saw, Josh saw the movie before I did and a ton of my friends or people that I talk to that don't really watch movies necessarily were like excited and went out to see this and they're like oh my God it's so good it's so good I think Josh and I were recording. Uh, maybe like the girls trip podcast or something. I was like, like beforehand, I was like, so like you saw it? Was it like as good as everyone says? And he was like, ah. Uh, well, I tried to be, just... <laughs> I tried to be very vague, and I I I mean, if you, I, mean I
1: you probably didn't want to take the wouldn't want to take the time to scroll through our text messages, but I I, I gave you like a very cryptic text message, trying yeah, yeah, not yeah, to yeah. spoil it. And I think you probably could have figured out exactly what I was talking about when I was because the way I talked about this movie is that it tries to tell a war movie story in a different way and i respect that it did that but in doing that i think it certain it creates its own set of problems that with the by by using the same format that i do respect it trying and i think what i meant by that was uh it, it this movie is it tries to really t- be, rely on visual storytelling and rely on setting a mood and uh just Making you feel things by what is on the screen, as opposed to what the characters are saying on the screen, and it really is. Yeah, well, that, that, and that's what <laughs> I was saying. So, uh, not a, not a lot of characters for like for to put it bluntly in this movie, and that's what I was trying to say in that text message was. It, I I kind of like the, and I also like just the what, character issues aside. I like the idea of trying to tell those three stories like that that all converge into one. I think that's yeah. a different way of doing it, and I like the idea of trying to tell war movies differently. But by doing it all in the way he specifically did it, he. Uh, really sacrificed a lot of the character parts of the story, and I don't want to say there's not a way to make this to have made this a better movie, and I did like it to a certain extent, but I think there's a way to have made this a lot better without even really trying with the while still not even trying with the characters like he did, but I think it might have lacked in some other areas. But uh, it, just so we'll say, like, I mean, probably anyone listening saw it, but I mean, th- it focuses specifically on the Dunkirk evacuation on the sh- shores of France uh, during World War II, where a bunch of British soldiers got stranded on a beach and were kind of under attack by a bunch of Germans, and you had to get them out of there. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing you I, – I mean you didn't like immediately shit on this movie at any point after seeing it, but you said it was one of the least rewatchable no one films. I remember seeing you tweet that. So were you totally down on this, or are you kind of mixed, or
0: what are you feeling? No, I like i, I like the movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just strange because I think if you watch this movie – and then, like, if you if you know movies and you watch this movie, I don't think you would guess that this was a Christopher Nolan movie, right? And I think that's a good thing and a bad thing because uh, while I like Christopher Nolan, I can definitely see like the criticism of uh, what people have to say about him in terms of like being corny, especially with like Interstellar, and he thinks he's like super smart, and and I get that, but. I don't think and then that perclu- end of that movie. It's like love is the key to life. Yeah, that that <laughs> is kind of lame, but that doesn't take away from the other two hour and twenty minutes of Interstellar that are pretty pretty good. Yeah. Um, this movie is just so stripped down from like anything that like typically is in like a movie with like characters and plot and all that. And then Josh said it's like vis- visual storytelling, and I think that what they tried to do, they did. I think the visual storytelling was amazing. I think you we both saw it in like IMAX or 70mm and it looked amazing. Scenes were amazing. The score was amazing. There was like sort of like this sense of like impending doom for like all of these scenes and not there's not a lot happens in terms of like you don't there's not like a bad thing that happens every time you think a bad thing is going to happen, but I think that's sort of what they're going for is like sort of for you to be all nervous and then sort of get into this zone of where you're like wow like this is sort of what war is like um with you know we could die at any time like we're in this terrible situation we're stranded on this island with like no way out kind of thing except like no except like no one dies well (laughs) uh i mean a lot of people die
1: uh, you don't really see that many deaths, though. But, I, mean, I, I will talk about the PG thirteen ness of it at some point, but I'm just saying no, no one that you actually know besides the little the kid on the boat dies. You know,
0: sure, but at the same time, like you're, I I, I hear what you're saying, but there's like people all around them dying, and it's sort of trying to like give context for like.
1: So, I, this. so what I will say is that I get you're, – you're right. Like you, I, I agree with the, the mood that it sets and the way the score does. You're right about that impending sense of doom that it conveys. And I think there's a way to still like make you really, really even more invested than this movie did without developing better characters. But I think part of the thing with the war movie is that you're putting – the, the audience is getting really engaged because you're putting people that they care about in harm's way. But if you don't really give them a whole lot of reason to care about any one person, I think there's only so strong of an emotional connection you can have.
0: I I agree, but at the same time, I guess playing devil's advocate, like if you're making a movie like this about a true story and there's not really like war hero person, then are you – you're sort of taking liberty to just like sort of create someone out of thin air to sort of like be a hero, right? Which sort of at the same time isn't necessarily the best thing.
1: I'm not saying you have to make any of them a hero, but if you have better – here's the thing is that I don't want I don't I also at the same time don't want them to turn it into like total stock characters for like sure I, 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 you, I don't did you listen to the pop culture happy hour podcast about it
0: Um... I think I did. Yeah,
1: I, Linda Holmes went on a pretty fun, ra- funny rant about how you know all war movies they have the they have the one kid that just looks like way too young, and they yeah. have and, who, who eventually has one heroic moment. They have the other kid who uh, who has a girl back home, and then you know he's going to die because he has a girl back home, and then you have the leader that gets killed off because that means then someone else is going to have to step up, and then that guy that has to step up is going to be the hero. Like you can definitely think of like all these tropes, and you definitely yeah. don't want the movie to fall into that. And I'm not in like in my like review that I put on Letterboxd, I think I gave it like three and a half or four stars because I don't want to ding it for a lack of character development like we might for other movies because it, that was so consciously a choice. It's not yes. like the, it's not like the movie like set out to like have all these well-rounded characters and like totally failed. It's exactly what he wanted to do, so it's not like he did something completely wrong is so i don't slam him for that i think it's more of a matter of personal preference there are these other people that went there who are just like oh my god best christopher nolan movie ever that movie was amazing and it, it, they, they just might not They're be wrong the flat well, out. It's okay well that's fine but like <laughs> it, it's a, for, in their subjective view though that's fine if they think that because they might just be someone that doesn't really they don't need character-driven movies to really move them and I, I I I just not I I don't happen to be that kind of moviegoer, so I of course I'm just gonna have a different opinion. But if he's making the movie for those people, he I guess he made the movie he wanted to make, you know.
0: I actually I I don't really think the two movies themselves uh, are very c- comparable, but it sort of reminded me of watching The Revenant a little bit, with like how critically acclaimed it was, and then like I watched The Revenant and I was just like, okay, like visually it's great, like. That's crazy that they did all this stuff, but at the same time, like, there just wasn't – it just didn't do it for me.
1: Well, I, I think it, The Revenant did it more for me than it did for you. I, I agree with what you're saying about how it – everything every, everything other than, like, everything around it, like, was so good. I, but, like, the, I would say the, that- the
0: meat of it wasn't – it just wasn't as, like – okay strong as it could have been well the one thing i
1: would say for me that probably makes that movie more enjoyable for me than this one was that like at least you feel like leo's character is physically being totally put through the ringer and is well yeah not 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 not, not just not just by the not just by the bear not just by the bear scene but like throughout the whole rest of the movie he is so like physically exhausted and strung out and here I, i i don't know have you ever seen atonement yeah so that 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 you you know that one scene in Atonement? That's Dunkirk. Like that's where the James yeah. McAvoy character is yeah, yeah. out at. And I thought that they have a legend, like a really well well uh, highly regarded tracking shot of like the scene on Dunkirk where it's just like totally crowded. And that movie gets kind of trippy too um, yeah. with how those guys are all suffering. And I thought that movie conveyed the suffering at Dunkirk a little better than it does here. And th- that way. Even if you aren't totally getting to know all these characters, at least if you're conveying just how freaking miserable it is there, then you're feeling a little more moved at the same time when, they're ultimately, when they ultimately triumph. Because here, it's weird. It doesn't even look like it's that crowded. Like they're talking about how like 400,000 people are on this beach, and it's like there's like maybe 20 or 30 lines of like 100 dudes, and really well spaced out. Where and that's about it. And there's a couple other groups of guys. It's I feel like they should have had a higher budget for extras just to make it feel more claustrophobic and uncomfortable
0: as I'm sure it was, yeah, uh, I don't disagree i i at the same time, I don't necessarily think that I don't necessarily think that Nolan wants people to feel like victorious at the end of the movie because I feel like the way that the movie is cut, which is also one of my biggest problems, like the nonlinear storytelling. Especially with like the airplanes and in the middle is very—I don't want to say confusing, but just jumpy and sort of strange. Uh, well, uh, uh,
1: about that. So you know how at the when it does the land, air, sea thing with the title yeah. cards throughout, it's yeah, like yeah. one week, one day, yeah. three hours. One hour. Does that mean yeah. that like there? Does that mean that's how long each of the storylines essentially is, leading up until the point where they converge? Because I'm like, okay, so does that mean these dudes are on this boat for on this little passenger boat for? like a week until they get there and the soldiers are roaming around for a day and then the planes are there for 3 hours because that was the one thing i could have been a little more clear on because i'm not sure if i really i don't know not that it would have made a huge difference in how i felt about the movie but i thought i i thought that's what he was trying to do but i also wasn't sure based on the, like the nonlinear storytelling that you're saying maybe wasn't totally edited right
0: yeah yeah uh, i'm going to be honest i'm not sure okay. because i just don't i i just don't think it was clear enough yeah. I think it was, I, I think they knew what they were doing, but I don't necessarily, I think something was lost in translation there. Right. Um, But going back to what I was saying is I, I don't necessarily think Nolan at the end of this movie wants you to be like, yay, vic- victory and, and all that. And, and I think that's conveyed with how the soldiers are all sort of like depressed and like kind of fucked up on the train and then like all these people are like super happy for them, but at the same time yeah. it's just sort of like and they're
1: like oh what did we do they're like we just survived yeah, that's, and like, that's the so thing they're they're, like, they're not i mean i guess they're a little more excited like when harry styles is like getting get, has, has all those people cheering him next to the train like, sure that's a little happier but i see what you're saying before then where they're so
0: subdued I, yeah i think nolan is sort of just trying to convey like all this bad shit happened and then people are like yay but but it, it if you're there like in you're experiencing it it doesn't feel like that and you can't feel like happy and yay just because you're like alive and it's sort of hard to to sort of move past like this agony that you are a part of and seeing people die in this sense of like dread that you had like every second like as a soldier but at the same time I don't like I don't know I wasn't a, I've never been a soldier I've never been in that position so it's sort of hard to relate at the same time when you don't have like a main character to sort of bridge between what the director wants and and the audience i think
1: yeah so well then let's talk about that then because i mean we both agree not movie doesn't really have characters for the most part um but mark rylance was
0: probably the best
1: i actually as much as i'm like always going to hold a grudge against him for just being in bridge of spies and beating sly and for the Mm -hmm. best actor like i actually i actually thought he might have been like the Best part of the movie, or yeah, I the, think he was um, the best part of the movie. Like, he's like so good in those interactions with Killian when he's just like they're so uncomfortable, and you just like you feel like you kind of know that guy. And it's like he, he for it's like a such a meek, meek looking old duty it's like a really has a spine and has a sense of patriotic duty without having that many lines. I think you really do have a good sense of who that guy is,
0: and without pushing into super Christopher Nolan territory of like super corny guy that's captain of the ship that wants to save people kind of thing. Right. Like so he, no, go ahead. No, I was just saying he's he he plays that role well and Nolan I, I I think it's interesting, right? Because since there isn't that much actual like dialogue back and forth and like message from characters verbally, then Nolan can't like, sort of fuck up in the ways that people say he, he fucks up with writing, right? So it's it's interesting contrast there.
1: But yeah, the thing is, though, like I'm saying, they made a good character with that guy with not a ton of dialogue. And yeah. I, so I don't understand why they couldn't have done it with one of the soldiers, um, one, one of the soldiers on the ground, because – I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you like who any – like I, throughout the entire movie, I probably couldn't identify which one of them was another one besides Harry Styles just because I know he's Harry Styles. and it's See, like, I don't even and, know what
0: Harry Styles looks like, so I was
1: – Oh, okay. Well, I, I know what Harry Styles looks like, and all the other guys were just pacey-looking, scrawny British guys, and I, I, I could not tell one from the other, and I feel like if you can just single out one of them – And well, so you didn't even know Harry. You didn't even know it was Harry Styles at the end. Like, no, I mean, I
0: knew who Harry Styles. Like, I knew he was in the movie, but I don't know which one it was. So you
1: didn't even realize he was one of the two on the train at the end while you're watching it. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, I knew that, but I like if you're like put me in the movie, I'm like, I don't, I don't. I mean,
1: I I actually. So I, I mean, I thought he was pretty. Actually, pretty solid as an acting. It's acting. It seemed like a kind of a stunt thing when you put a One Direction kid in a Christopher Nolan movie. Thought he was good, but like him or nor any of the other pasty looking white british guys had enough to do and it just what what they did with rylan shows they didn't have to do that much to just make you connect with one of them and they didn't yeah. really make an effort there and i feel like that part of the movie is just a lot more interesting if they do that and And because I I came into this podcast, I've just been I've just been kind of thinking about this right now and how, yeah, they really did do that pretty well with Rylance. And I I didn't want to make all these suggestions that would have turned it into a two hour, two and a half hour war movie, because that was part of what I liked was that they came in under two hours. And that makes it inherently different from other war movies. And I'm like, well, how do you make these characters better without turning it into that? And I think just what they did with Rylance shows, it wouldn't have made it too long if they just altered things a little bit, you know?
0: Well yeah, I think I think part of it goes to the non-linear storytelling. And I think part of it goes to like Tom Hardy's character, right? Like he's he's fine, he's good, you sort of like understand what he's doing and then at the end they have this total like Christopher Nolan moment with him which sort of seems out of place in the movie. Um but I I don't know, it, it's it's weird because they they sort of try to be subdued with Tom Hardy's character too on the plane and then right at the end they sort of try to like give you way more than they did the rest of the movie and I'm not sure that worked either like I don't know I I feel like I don't know it's just weird because there's like not a lot to go off of in terms of like these scenes because there's like so many like little characters and little scenes and it's only like a 90-minute movie so it, it's hard I I don't think I would have hated it if it was longer but I don't know did you need uh did you need uh Kenneth Branagh standing on a pier they went they went to him for him 20 on... minutes yeah for sure okay so you No, that <laughs> like, no, was I, a, I, completely unnecessary like, I, I've
1: even seen like a few people that were like man he was great I was like okay sure I, he wasn't a bad at yeah. bad at acting but I didn't really think that I get that you want to show what high command's doing and what they're thinking but I don't know if it needed that much time and you could have done something else yeah. with
0: that you know yeah, I think the stuff with High Command could have been more interesting. But I don't, I don't know. I think it's weird because I just – it's hard for me to criticize it at the same time because the way I watched – the way I interpreted the movie, I just don't necessarily think Nolan cared all that much about that. I think it was sort of just like this – he just wants to tell this story visually, which he did, and sort of just give you this – this like. I don't know, man. No, just, no, no
1: I understand. it. I mean, I think we're pretty well in agreement on this. It's just you don't want to kill them for something that was never – for not doing something that was clearly not their intention,
0: yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and and he's trying to, like, give this, like, intimate experience of, like, it, it's quiet and there's gunshots and you have to run away and then you have to hide and you're trapped and you're drowning. And, like, I thought the, the, the scene with the submarine, like, it was super, like, obvious what was going to happen. Um, but I thought it was really cool to watch
1: that. Yeah. Just so the, it the, the way to, as it was shooting through the water right before. It was yeah. about to hit, like that's, that's a yeah, cool and then thing. They're you they're drowning like- and he
0: has to find the light and find the door. Like, I don't know. Right.
1: So that was cool. And like I said, that we, I, I mentioned it earlier
0: that that first
1: scene was also pretty cool too. I mean, I don't, the actual gunfight in the planes, I didn't feel like that was something I hadn't seen before. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was fine. But it was—it was, it was, it, it looked cool on the screen, obviously. Yeah, on like
0: 70 millimeter, but, when it's just like this huge ocean and this small little sh- this plane, like.
1: Yeah, and it, and it was even cool on IMAX. It was—I I saw both 70 millimeter and IMAX, and I probably liked the IMAX experience a little more. But uh, like both ways, it looked really cool. But uh, that opening scene was still actually really good. The one that neither of us saw the first time, like <laughs> yeah. that was like actually really cool and intense, and didn't feel like anything else. The rest and of the and gave movie. actually
0: gave a lot of context too.
1: Yeah, like just like about just what that what it told you what they were facing aside in a different way from just uh, having bombs dropped on the beach, which is cool to watch. But it was yeah. just a different type of intensity, and I thought brought a different feeling to that scene than just about any had the rest of the movie. So I. I, I definitely missed out the first time and had no idea of what that even was because no one told me that I didn't see that. Yeah. Um. So I like I don't know that, I, that that scene just like actually felt super intense and in a way that I don't know if I necessarily did like while those plane scenes were cool to look at I, I didn't it, they weren't making my heart beat like that scene was.
0: Yeah. Uh. I I agree. I agree. Um. So you, I I think I would say like, yeah. Like if you it's it's. A good movie to watch like it's 90 minutes long basically um it's it's not like a hard movie to sit through yeah. um but like 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 we you mentioned earlier i i think that it's probably the least rewatchable Nolan movie do you have any thoughts on that
1: i probably yeah i probably agree i mean i i wasn't at like you you kind of sounded like i think We talked about your experience trying to go today. You weren't exactly that motivated to do it, and there wasn't like another movie in theaters I really wanted to see when I saw it for the second time last Tuesday. But I wasn't like excited to go back to it, and I just like I just watched The Prestige for the first time, uh, or not for the for the second time two days ago. It'd probably been nine years since I watched it, and like I'd be more excited to like go back and watch watch that now two days later than I was to go back and watch Dunkirk again ten days later. Yeah. Um And I, I, I'm not sure what that says about it, but I, I mean, I think I think I'm kind of in agreement on that. Like Memento, I've only seen once before, and but like that's one that makes you kind of immediately want to go back and watch it. Same with Inception, just like the, with the way those are kind of screw around with your with your brain. Like you're excited yeah. to go back and try and figure those out in a, in a certain way. And the Dark Knight movies are just, or the Batman movies are just entertaining. You know, like I yeah. kind of get that. I I don't really have a strong desire to go back and watch Interstellar since it's so damn long, but uh, I still think I'd there'd be more interesting things they'd probably go back and pick up there than there was in this one, I'd say.
0: Yeah, and to me, as someone who says he's a fan of Christopher Nolan, I think it's probably his worst movie, but I don't think that's a bad thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's it's it's kind of like the same thing, like we talked about, like with Hateful Eight, like when you said it was the worst TV yeah. movie, it, yeah. that didn't yeah. mean it was a bad movie. Um, so what did you think about the uh the one the reason that we were kind of worried going in was that it was PG thirteen and not rated R. Yeah. Um, it sounds like maybe that didn't bother you as much as you expected.
0: Or, um, yeah, well, it didn't bother you as much as I expected because they didn't really make I guess they didn't really make the movie. Uh, how we how we sort of like expected they would make this movie mm-hmm. in terms of like being really violent and gory because it's not that. Uh, it's sort of like on this human humanity level more so than than anything else, which. Again, most war movies would just show like a bunch of carnage on the beach and all this other stuff, and they didn't really do that in this movie. So, I guess if you're not going to do that, then you don't need it to be R. But I just feel like having—I I don't know—I just feel like you can make it more compelling, making it rated R. But that's just me. Yeah, I, I don't get—I don't get off on gore, but yeah. it is a little
1: noticeable how little blood there is, is what I'd say. Yeah, um, I like—I don't need to see guys' guts pouring out, but like I—I I can't. I don't specifically remember any instance in which I actually saw blood. and or, yeah. or, or, like, anyone actually, like... Like, you could tell guys were dying, like, when they're sitting on the pier and bombs are dropping on them, and, or on the beach. And just when the bomb, when the torpedo hits the ship, like, people are dying. But, like I, said, I already said, no one you really care about dies. And I, 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 did, I started thinking about it at one point. Like, oh, there's no blood. I, I wouldn't say it took me out of the movie in a way, like in the worst possible way Like i can think of many other instances things that make me take me out of movies way more than that but it was something i thought about i, I i'd agree with you that like i i don't know like just the way we were talking about the, this our skepticism about it beforehand with it being pg-13 i i don't know if it, it, it caused like the same issues and i think you already explained why pretty well but i did think about it a few times i'm like it's kind of weird to have a war movie with no blood at all
0: yeah yeah but again they're they're trying to make something different. They made a different kind of war movie. I'm not sure that it's going to be something revolutionary or inspiring for other directors and future films. But, I mean, it's a nice change of pace. Like you said, I don't have to sit through a fucking two-hour and 45-minute like docu-corny war movie with lines from that you've seen everywhere and army tropes and everything like that. They're, they're, that's not really in this movie, so that
1: sort yeah, of makes like- it
0: easier to watch.
1: Yeah, like I guess I, that, that's the, that, that's the biggest thing I can say is that like I I respect that I just uh, I, I think there's probably something like I think he's a talented enough filmmaker that if like there's a way to make the make you feel a little more connected to those characters while still pulling that off and it maybe didn't quite do that but I I still even if it's not something I'd be like excited to go back and watch I still think it was a, it was a still a good accomplishment and I'd still call it a good movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, I, I, if you guys – I feel like a lot of you probably don't feel the same way or feel way more strongly about Dunkirk. I wish I felt more strongly about it. I wanted to like really love it. I just didn't. I'm, I still think it's a good movie. Um, but yeah, let us let us know what you guys think about it. Um, where can we find you on Twitter, Josh? Uh,
1: on Twitter at Josh Jernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y.
0: And I am at Clanbake, A-K-L-A-M-B-A-K-E. Our podcast Twitter is 52in52pod. Um, and our podcast email is 52in52pod at gmail.com. Uh, again, let us know what you guys thought about Dunkirk, Christopher Nolan, where you rank this and his filmography. Um, and if you guys would – how you guys feel about watching it a second time or a third time and, and how you felt about watching other Christopher Nolan movies uh, uh, multiple times. Uh, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time.